Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I want to jump into the series uh, that we're on, Where There's a Will, There's a Way. Where there's a will, there's a way. So if you've got your sermon notes there in your worship guide, you can pull those out. Or if you want to get on the YouVersion Bible app, the sermon notes are available there as well. If you're following online, you can get the sermon notes available later uh, on the website as well. So let's get those out. If you got your Bible, whenever we open the Bible, we believe God's going to speak to us. We believe he's got something good to say to us. So that's why we get excited when we open God's Word. So let's get our Bibles out. Let's open them them to Romans chapter 1. Woo! Excited about that. Thank you, Jesus, for your Word. Looking forward to what he's speaking to us today. Romans chapter 1, where there's a will, there's a way. Start reading in verse 8 as soon as you find it. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. This is Paul writing, and he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers making request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Let's pray. Father, we just need you. We want you. Holy Spirit, I just yield to your direction right now in Jesus' name. We want everything to be about you. We want you to be the focal point. So God, we just pray for you to bring this word alive. I pray, Holy Spirit, you bring revelation and understanding. I pray, God, you will speak things into our hearts that will change us from the inside out. So I give you praise for everything, God. We thank you that it's because of you. All things that we have are special. And we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen. So where there's a will, there's a way. We've been talking about the purpose behind this series is understanding that God has a will and God has a way. That you and I have a will and we have a way. And so we got, if we're going to experience God's will for our life, then we realize we've got to align our, way, our ways with His ways. Understanding this concept that sometimes people say things like this, well, if it's supposed to happen, it's going to happen. You know, God, everything happens for a reason, so, you know, I'm just kind of sitting here as a puppet in this world, and and God's controlling everything, and it's just totally up to Him, and I have no say-so in anything, and I don't believe that's the way God wants us to look at Him. I don't believe that's the teachings of the Bible. Sometimes it's easy to say God's in control of every detail, and God's just working out everything until we look at certain specific things. Sometimes people come up to me and say, Chad, I, you, you, God's controlling everything. I'm just, I just have such a peace. Sometimes, sometime ago, uh, it's been a while ago, spit it out, Chad. At some point, some person came up to me and they said this. I'm not making it up. They really said this. Chad, I just, I'm just at such a peace now that I know God's in control of everything and I don't have to worry about anything at all. I just, I just t- give everything up to him and I don't have to worry about that faith stuff and all that junk. I just, it's a, such a great feeling for me now to be at peace knowing God's in control. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that. That sounds good in a church setting. Sounds super religious until we talk about the young lady who's being sold into sex trafficking. We talk about the girl that's being abused 
over and over and over by a relative. Is God controlling that? Is God making sure that happens? Tell that to the 13-year-old girl. Tell that to this person. Tell it to that. So when we start breaking it down, we understand that God's not out of control as in someone's above him controlling him, but it's also understanding that God's not controlling everything that we do. He has a will. He has a way. He gave us a will, and we have a way. So let's look at Paul writes here in Romans. He's praying. He's praying to God. And he said that I may find a way in the will of God. That word find a way means to succeed in reaching or accomplishing some activity. So Paul said, I want to be successful in coming to you, and successful in this context is I want to come to see you. I want to be successful in coming to see you. But he says, I want to be successful in the will of God. That word will there means determination, intent, or choice emanating from God's heart's desire or pleasure. So he said, I want to come see you. This is my desire. This is my my will, I want to come see you. I want to be successful in coming to see you. But I want to do it in a way that emanates from God's heart's desire. So we see that God has a will and God has a way. God wants us to find it. Now let's look, let's go over to another scripture. Go to Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to give you three scriptures today. That's the first one. Matthew 7 is the second one. God has a will for your life and he has a way for you and I to experience it. He does not have a will for you that is inaccessible to you. Anything God wants you to experience, he has a way for you to experience. It may be a process, it may take some time, but he has a will for it. Too many times, I think, in our life, we're praying and we're trying to figure out ways that God can bless what we want instead of us spending more time figuring out what he wants. Our prayers too many times are, God, please bless what I want to do. I, I, so many times we, people are just looking for affirmation for what they want. And we try and, Christians are the worst about coming up with all kinds of spiritual Christian cliches to get what they want instead of just saying, God, it's not what I want, but it's what you want. Come, we're very creative. I've been pastoring long enough that I've heard people come up with some very creative ways to tell God to do what they want to do. Pull out scripture and everything. I just feel like, you know, God, God's, uh, behold, behold, I do a new thing. And uh, so he's doing a new thing. And so that's telling me I need to leave my spouse and go get a new one. Behold, he does a new thing. Great. Great. So let's look at, there's a will, there's a way. Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 13. This is Jesus talking. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many, everybody say many, many who go in by it. What is it? It is the wide gate and the broad way. That's one way. He says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few, everybody say few. Few who find it. What is it? It is the narrow gate and the difficult way. So we got two ways that Jesus gives us in Scripture. The first one we see here, the first way that he gives us, it's a way that leads to destruction, that's a wide gate and is broad, and many people are on it. The second way he gives us, one that leads to life, it's a narrow gate and it's difficult. Two ways leading to two different destinations, right? So the question really is, where do we want to end up? Which way do we go? That question is answered by where do you want to go? How many know sometimes it's easier to determine what you want to do in the moment than it is 
where you want, or sorry, back, back, backwards. It's easier to determine where I want to go sometimes than what I want to do in the moment. What I mean by that is, I know I want to do the right thing eventually, but right now I want to do this. It's like, I know I'm supposed to walk in forgiveness, destination, but right now I want to hold a grudge. It's easier to want the right destination than it is to do the right thing in the moment. I, I know I'm, I want to be an honest person, but right now it's a little more convenient if I don't tell the whole truth. He says there's two different ways. One's going to lead to destruction. One's going to lead to life. Where do we want to end up? We all want to go to life, right? Everybody wants to go to life. Great. Well, let's look at those ways. The one that leads to destruction, what does that mean? The word destruction just means to ruin, severe loss, destroy, beyond repair, or no longer exists. There's a way that leads to destruction. There's a way that leads to ruin, that leads to severe loss, a way that leads to something being beyond repair, or there's a way that leads to life. And that word life just means to be alive, experiencing the life God intended. Now, usually when we talk about these two ways, we think about ultimate or eternity. So we'll think about heaven or hell. There's a way that leads to destruction, hell. There's a way that leads to life, heaven. Yes, I think that applies. So we, there is a way that leads to life, and that is through Jesus or leads to heaven. There's a way that leads to destruction. If we're going to talk eternal terms, which is hell, there are those two different ways. But I want to also apply it not just in eternal terms, but also in everyday terms. Because here's what I've found in my life. There is a way that leads to life every day. And there's a way that leads to suffering loss. There's a way in a moment, I've got a decision. I don't know if you feel this time, something comes up and in that moment, we've got choices to make. Which way am I going to think? Am I going to think along the way that leads to life, the, God, the life that God intended for me? Or am I going to think along the way that leads to severe loss and destruction? Which way am I going to go? In that moment, I determine which way which determines my destination. See, we can think ultimately just about heaven or hell, and we like to do that. We just like to think in terms like, I'm saved. I am saved. So that means I'm all good. I can be saved and still have some mess in my life. I can be saved and on my way to heaven and still have some issues that I need to work out. And this is what God's saying. He said, there's a way that leads to life, and there's a way that leads to destruction. And he gives you and I the choice which way to go. Notice what it says, the way to the destruction, it's wide, broad, lots of people on it, lots of people going that way. Be careful if we judge the validity of which way to go based on how many people are going that way. Be careful with a way of thinking, whether it's right or wrong, based on how many other people think that way. The Bible says right here, there's lots of people that's going to destruction, I don't think everybody that's going to destruction is holding up signs saying, I want destruction, I want destruction. I don't think they do. I don't think very many people at all really want destruction. The problem is not the desire of the destination. It's the difficulty of the way. Have you ever heard this phrase? Somebody say, well, if it was easy, everybody would do it. How many of those to do the right thing? It's not always easy. To do the good thing, to do the right thing, sometimes is harder. Notice what it says. The easy way, the broad way, 
lots of people in that. But the narrow gate, it's narrow and it's difficult. Narrow and difficult. The word, let me give you the definition of the word narrow and difficult. The word narrow there just means hemmed in with obstacles, restricted, limited, confined to bounds. Difficult means it's crowded, compressed, pressure to suffer hardship or persecution. We want the way that leads to comfort. And sometimes the way of life leads to pressure, leads to difficulty. We don't like this message. We like the message where, oh, everything's going to be great. No, sometimes the way of life stinks in certain contexts. It stinks in that sometimes we feel great pressure. Anybody ever went, uh, there's a place that you can go on this rock trail, and you come to this real narrow place. It's called Fat Man Squeeze. You know what I'm talking about? And, and the, this is what we're talking about, the narrow gate. When you go to go through that, not everybody or everything will fit through that area. There is passage, there is a way that you can walk through there, but not everybody can go through there. When it says there's a narrow gate, it's not meaning some people are not welcome to come. It's just telling us that not everything is going to fit. We can't take everything with us. In other words, to, do, to go in the way that leads to life, I may have to leave some things behind. To do it God's way, I may have to throw some things off. I may have to leave my pride behind to go the way that leads to life. I may have to leave my selfishness behind to go in the way that leads to life. I may have to, I have to, may, may have to leave self-justification behind to go in the way that leads. Because when I go in the way that leads to life, sometimes there is pressure. Doing the right thing may bring some pressure into your life. Who knows it's harder to get good grades than bad grades? Why is that? Does everybody want to fail? No. Not everybody goes to school and says, I want to flunk. I want to flunk. But not everybody wants to go the way that leads to good grades. Does everybody want a failed marriage or failed relationships or failed finances or fail whatever? Nobody's going around saying, I want to be a failure. No little girls wake up someday and say, I want to be sold into sex trafficking. Nobody does that. No drug addict woke up in the morning and said, you know what? I want to be homeless and strung out on drugs. Didn't happen that way. Things happen. Things orchestrate. Some things in our control, out of our control. All these working together. And he said, listen, I want, there's a way that leads to life. And he's wanting us to find it. Wanting us to find it. But we have some say-so in this. And it's harder. It's harder to do things the right way sometimes. I've had people come to me and say, Chad, I want to I change my life. I want to do things right. I want to live for God. But man, it's hard. I'm like, yeah, I know. Still so staying in shape. But you still want to do it. I mean, it was a lot easier. You know, it's Thanksgiving. I sit down for lunch. And I don't know if you're like you, maybe you're like me, uh, maybe watching you. We had two places to go in one day. And, and sometimes the duration of the meal you know, starts to linger a little bit. So by, you know, by the time we start, by the time I finish, those are two totally different time zones. And so I'm start eating. And I sit down and eat. And you know, everybody has a little bit of everything. You want to try all this stuff. Oh, they make once a year. You know, you get those dishes you try once a year. So like everybody brings to the family their one dish. And so you're like, oh, I got to have that. Oh, they always bring that. Oh, I got to have that. So I get in my plate. I'm like, I need a bigger plate. 
So I get down and I'm eating it and I'm eating it and I'm eating way beyond my nor- normal consumption. I mean, eating foods I don't normally eat, quantities I don't normally eat, but I'm just, I'm just throwing it in. How many knows that's a whole lot easier to eat that way than to eat rice and broccoli? It's a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot easier to eat according to your taste buds than according to your body. Oh, I'm, I'm going to Medlin. I'm just saying. <laughs> See, it's, a whole lot, it's a whole lot easier to live my life according to my feelings than according to the Spirit of God. See, living our life according to our feelings is like eating according to our taste buds. Both of them will produce a result. And we may not like what we see. See, it's okay for me to get by doing it the one day. You know, because then, you know, we got to travel, then we go to the next place, and we're like, hey, we've been waiting all day for you to eat. I'm like, oh, great. I got to take one for the team. (sighs) Just keep shoveling it in. And he's saying, listen, there's a way that that's a little harder, but just because it's harder doesn't mean it's bad. It leads to life. And he says, but there's few that's finding it. Few are finding the way that leads to life, not because they don't want to go there, but because the way is a little more difficult. It's harder to say no. It's harder to choose the right thing in that moment. And this is what God is saying. He said, it's, it's a whole lot easier to get mad at somebody and throw a fit than it is to look at them and say, I forgive you. I love you. It's a whole lot easier to stay mad at that family member and not speak to him, give him the silent treatment for the rest of the week. But I've understood this. We sang this song, It's Better His Way. I've found this about God. His way is always better. Even when in the moment Chad wants his way. When I choose Chad's way, and I do sometimes, I'm like, I know I shouldn't do this. I know I shouldn't do that. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. But right now I'm feeling this. So I'm going to go with this. Yes, I'm going with it, baby. I'm going it. Why? Because we want to make all the decisions. And in that moment when I make the decisions, I get the fruit of my decisions. But if I would do it God's way, oh, I get the fruit that comes from him. Because of the way that leads to life, a way that leads to life, a way that leads to destruction. It leads to it. It's like, let me illustrate this way. If you go out on the highway here, here in North City, if you come out, out of the parking lot, and if you turn left, that road leads to Carmine. It's not like you get on the road, bam, you're in Carmine. The road is not Carmine, but if you get on that road, it leads you to Carmine. Well, that's what it's saying here. It says that we get on the way that leads to destruction. Sometimes we're, de- we're deciding whether we should do something or feel something or think something based on what it is in that moment instead of where it's going to take us. We're judging whether something is right or wrong, whether we see what's wrong with it. And how did that work out for Adam and Eve? They saw that the fruit was good, looked good. I'm going to eat it. I don't see the big deal. I'm going to eat right now. But it's not what we do right now. It's where it's going to lead us. He said, there's a way that leads to life. Get on that way and stay on it. Sometimes we choose the way that leads to life and we do it until it gets hard. And then we bail. I tried being nice to her. I tried. I did and she didn't change. So I'm off. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who said anything about you getting off the way that leads to life based on what they do? Oh, I know. I don't want to hear it either. But it's still the truth. It's not based on get on the way that leads to life unless other people do you wrong. Oh, okay. Then let's get back on the way that leads to destruction. No, let's stay on the way that leads to life even though it's difficult. 
So there's a way, look what he says though, there's a way that leads to life, the way that leads to destruction. Two different options, but notice he doesn't choose the option for us. Where there's a will, there's a way. Look at the beginning, verse 13. He says, enter by the narrow gate. He tells you which way to go. He tells us which way to go. Wait a minute, which one did he say? The broad way that's wide and many are people on? Did he say go that way? No, he said go which way? He said go the narrow gate. Yeah, but the narrow gate is uh, narrow and difficult, God. He said, yeah, that's the one I want you to take. So God, you're telling me to choose the hard way? Yes. He said, I want you to choose the hard way. See, God gives us a choice. In that moment, I have a choice. Am I going to walk in the love of God or am I not going to walk in the love of God? Am I going to think the right thoughts about myself? I'm going to have the right perspectives. I'm going to speak the right words over my situation. Am I going to do the right thing or am I not? He says, you enter the right gate. So in other words, God has a will for you. He has a will for you. His will is life. But he says, you choose which gate you enter. God's not pulling the strings and controlling which gate you and I go into. He's given you the option. He's not controlling which way you're going to go in that conversation with your spouse and your coworker. He's, he's not controlling which attitude you're going to take. He gives you two gates. He says, which one you want to go into? Here are the doors. He says, by the way, pick this one. Pick this one. He even tells us which one to go into. Let me give another scripture of that. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. God says, listen, I'm telling you, I set before you blessing and cursing, life and death. And if you're not sure what to do, choose life. If we didn't have a choice, why did God tell us which one to choose? If we didn't have a choice which way to go, why did he tell us which gate to enter? Where there's a will, there's a way. You and I have a will, and we will get our way if we want it. God will let you have your way. He will let you have your way if you want it. You say, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm just going to do it, and God will forgive me. Yeah, God will forgive you. But I don't know what all repercussions may come with that decision. When we start doing things based on we know it's not God's will, but we're going to do it knowing that his will is ultimately forgive us, we've got to be careful that we're abusing the big plan of God and we're bringing something along with us that we may not want to be packing later on. Let's, one more scripture. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Are you with me so far? All right, let's close with this one. Ephesians chapter 1. So he says, enter into the narrow gate. That makes sense. Let's go to the one that's hard. That sounds fun. I watched Frozen 2 this weekend. <laughs> Random thought. <laughs> Just while you're turning. I want to I sing a song from Frozen 2 here pretty soon. I'm going to be working on that, rehearsing it. I like that one where it goes up like three times. I'm going to hit, never mind. Ephesians chapter 1. Olaf. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a will and there's a way. Look, look what, it, what it's saying here. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So he has a will. He has a way. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Where are these blessings? They're in Christ, in him. Just as he chose us, so he chose us in him. Before the foundation of the world. Notice, 
God chose us, you and me. When did he choose us? When we got our life straightened out, got everything together, and finally started attending church, God chose us. No. That's not when God chose you. Well, if I, if I finally start, stopped sleeping around, stop, finally stopped drinking, finally got off the meth, that's when God chose No. That's not when God chose you. God chose you before the foundation of the world. Well, if I, I, Chad, I'll come to church. If I just get, I just got to get a few more things in order. God's already chosen you. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Wait a minute. God's already chose us to be holy and without blame before him. How's that possible? Verse 5 tells us, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. What is the good pleasure of God's will for us? Here's his good pleasure of his will. Remember, his will represents his heart's desire or pleasure. So this Bible is telling us that, notice, his good pleasure of his will was to predestine us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Anybody heard of predestination? Here's what we're going to address where there's a will, there's a way in predestination. Some people believe predestination means that God is controlling every outcome of every decision of every action. That he's predestined everything. If it's going to happen, it's because God ordered it to happen. If it's happening right now, it's because God wants it to happen. He's predestined it. No, this word predestined, here's what it means in the Greek. Give you that definition there in your, in your sermon notes. It means to set bounds before, to limit in advance, or predetermine. So what did God predetermine according to this passage of Scripture? Having predetermined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, to himself. So now God chose us in him and he predetermined that through Jesus we could be adopted as sons. Predestination, therefore, does not mean God's controlling our actions. It means he's already chosen his. He's chosen you. When did he choose you? Before the foundation of the world. He's already made up his mind. I choose you. That's my part. And I'm even going to make a way. Here's my will. I want you to be my sons and daughters. Now I'm going to make a way for you to become my sons and daughters. And that's through Jesus Christ. That's my part. I make my choice. Now it's yours. Predestined is God's already determined what he's going to do. Now he leaves the rest up to us. He didn't predestine your decision. He predestined his decision. He predestined a way for you, according to his pleasure. Look at verse 7. In him we have redemption. Where do we have redemption? In Jesus. In him. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, wait a minute. So what do we get through Jesus? We get redemption and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. A lot of grace. Bountiful grace. A lot more grace than there is sin. His grace went way above and beyond sin. So now in him, we have forgiveness of sin. So in Jesus, God made a way in Jesus for all of our sins. Watching online. Here, all of our sins to be forgiven. He made it available in Jesus. When did Jesus die? 2,000 years ago on the cross. So in Jesus, your sins were forgiven. Like back then. Like your sins have already been forgiven. 
Well, I need to beg him. Some people say, I just need to beg God to forgive me. No, I heard somebody say something. You just just need to pray and beg God to forgive you of your sins. I'm like, that's not biblical. Sounds good. Sounds good. Very, very, sounds very religious, but it's not biblical. We don't beg God to do what he's already done. He's already forgiven you. That doesn't make any sense. He paid the price for sin in Jesus. Now he's saying all we have to do is get in Jesus and we receive forgiveness. The forgiveness is located in a person, not in your behavior. I got to get this. It's not based on my performance equals forgiveness. No, no, no. That's religion. It's in Jesus. When I get in Jesus, now redemption has been applied. This is why I'm not, so you just get to sin? No, when you're in Jesus, you don't want to sin. When you're in him, he begins to mold your desires. So in him, we get forgiveness. Now, just because we're in him, we get forgiveness. Has everybody received that forgiveness? No. But is, is it his will for them to be adopted as sons and daughters? Yes. He predestined them for that. But yet they're still not doing it. Why? Because they have a will. God has a will for everyone to be adopted as sons and daughters, but not everybody's doing it. Why? Because they're not getting in him. He made a way. There is a way. There is a way. Well, I, everybody, everybody wants to go to heaven. I've done a lot of funerals. Every funeral I've ever done, every time I've ever met with a family, I've ne- never met and sat down and talked to the family and said, we sure hope he's in hell. We sure do. Man, we just hope he's, we're excited, it's going to be a party. Every single time, all of a sudden, they get spiritual. Whether they believe God or serve God, well, they're hoping that they're in a better place. Right? Everybody wants to go to heaven, but there's one way to get there. And it's narrow, and it's difficult. Not difficult as in what we've got to earn our way there. It's difficult in that there's pressure to keep you away from there. The enemy's always going to try and keep you away. There's pressure in serving God. Look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. There was great pressure. And the pressure is this. Here's the pressure. It's my will and God's will coming together. And there's great pressure in that moment of who's going to win out. The pressure is, is my will going to win or is God's will going to win? And that pressure in that moment is difficult. But when we yield to him, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But there's pressure before that. And this is what God's telling us. So we have in him, we have forgiveness of sins. We have that redemption. Going to verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed. So this was his good pleasure. He purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are on the earth in him, in him, in him also. Notice how many times in this passage of scripture it said in him or in Christ. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. I want to zero in on verse 11. In him also, in him also. Everybody say also. And also. So in him we have redemption, forgiveness of sins, right? Are we clear? Do we understand that he made a way for us to receive forgiveness of sins? Do we understand that he gave us a will on whether we're going to receive that forgiveness of sins or not? Right? We okay on that? Yes, it's all right. So secondly, in him we also have an inheritance. So same rules apply. Same rules apply. Everything that Jesus died to give us, our inheritance, 
How do you get an inheritance? You get an inheritance by someone dying and leaving you something. Right? So when it says, in him we have an inheritance, that means everything that Jesus died to give us. In Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord. I have to receive that by faith. In him also, also I have an inheritance. That means everything else that he also died to give me. That's not to say forgiveness of sins isn't important. That's why it's listed first. But he's saying also there's an inheritance. But look what he says. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Here's what I've heard before. People use this verse and say, ha, right there, chat. Right there. See, God's in control of everything. He works everything according to the counsel of his will. Everything that's working is according to his will. So if it's happening, it's his will. I beg to differ. Because here's how I understand this verse when I break it down. The purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Works all things according to the counsel of the will. I believe it's not speaking to how he is manipulating everything, but I believe it's speaking to how he works. Let's break down the verse real quickly. He works all things. How does he work all things? According to the counsel of his will. Has anybody ever counseled anybody? I'm not talking about just professionally, like you gave them some counsel, gave some advice. Anybody ever give anybody some advice and they didn't take it? Anybody ever gave anybody any life tips and they disregarded it? You said, hey, I think this would be a good idea for you to not do that. I think, I think this would be a good idea. You know, they come to you and say, hey, what are you thinking? And, and, and you tell them what to think. I don't know how many times people come to me as a pastor and say, hey, pastor, uh, here's my situation. I just wonder what you think. And I say, okay, well, here's what I think. Okay, thank you. And they go out and do exactly what they were wanting to do anyway. What he's saying here, that God works all things according to the counsel. That word counsel means a thought out plan. The counsel of his will, Thelema. What is God's will? God's will is his heart's desire or pleasure. Check it out. Let's put it together. In him who works all things, so everything that God does, he does it out of the thought-out plan that comes from his heart's desire for you. It does not mean that he's orchestrating everything that's going on because we live in a fallen world and there is evil in the world that is working because we have free will. It's saying that everything that God does he works it out of the counsel of his heart's desire for you. So how's that work for me? That tells me this, that whatever situation I'm in, even if I've made a mess of my life, God says, hey, wherever you are right now, Chad, everything that I'm going to work in your life, if you will follow me, I've got a plan for you, and it's my heart's desire for you. So everything I'm working is based on my heart's desire. I'm always leading you towards my desire. People throw out this, well, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. There's another part of the verse. Sometimes that's the only part of the verse some people know. All things work together for good. And, you know, I believe this must be God's will that he's just going to work it out. Just because, let's read the rest of the verse. All things work together for the good for those who love, for those who, those, those specific people now. All things don't work together for good for everybody. I'm just reading the Bible. 
All things don't work together for good for everybody. All things work together for the good of those. Sorry, specific people now. Those. Who are those? Those who love God. Love God. Well, I love God. No, 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 no. We got to know what love God means. Our Bible, we got to define it biblically. Biblically says that if you love God, you will keep His commandments. The Bible says, if I say I love God and hate my brother or sister, I'm a liar. The Bible says, if I say I love God, but I don't keep His commandments, I'm a liar. Those who love God. So if I'm going to, all things are going to work together for a good me, number one, I have to love God and do what He tells me to do. I'm not saying I do it all the time. I don't. But when I do, things can work together for good in me. Number one, love God. Number two, who are the called according to His purpose. The called according to the purpose. Some people use this as a verse to call out certain select people. That only select people God has chosen. That word called, the Greek word kaleo, is an invitation word, not a controlling word. It's a word that means to call out, to invite. Like many are called, few are chosen. Call. Call. If you call a tryout for a sports team, and certain people make the team, they're chosen. People that didn't answer the call aren't chosen. Is it because the person picking the teams didn't want them? They're not chosen because they didn't show up. They didn't answer the call. It says, for those that are called according to His purpose. So now, all things are going to work together when I choose to love God and do what He tells me to do. And I answer the invitation to walk in His purpose for my life. That's when things are going to work together for my good. When I don't choose His way. And let me tell you, sometimes I don't. For me, sometimes I don't do it in thoughts. I know in a moment the way I'm supposed to think. I know this is the way I'm supposed to think, but I feel this way. Which one am I going to do? Which one am I going to do? Which one? Am I? Oh, this feels so good. I want to feel this way. But it leads to destruction. Maybe not hell, but maybe severe loss. Maybe relationship loss. Maybe, maybe self-esteem loss. It's in my thoughts, in my words sometimes. I don't want to say, I know I shouldn't say that. I know, I know, I know. How many times have you heard somebody start out a sentence like this? I know I shouldn't say this, but, well, if you know you shouldn't, maybe you shouldn't. But we're like that, right? So listen, here's what we're seeing. God says, I have a will for you, but there's a way for you to experience it. If we choose our way, we will get our results. I don't want my results. So I got to choose his way. And sometimes his way is hard. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.